everybody, and welcome to another sports. 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 Podcast. I am Joel Anderson. I'm Jordan Pomaville. And joining us, as always, is the sports outsider, Phil Ranta. Hey, I'm the one with the good mic, because yeah. I'm recording from the studio right. still. Studio. Uh, studio, studio, yeah. studio, studio. Which I've heard has undergone some serious upgrades. Yeah, I did a, a full renovation this week. Uh, got new stands, rewired the microphones, uh, uh, changed the table position so it's further away from glass, so the audio is going to be tighter, and uh, changed the wing nuts on the jib wibs. And uh, <laughs> I was going to say, we really needed that. Yeah. We, really, we needed new ones. I know we had just been greasing the old ones. We needed new ones. Yeah. Well, we didn't get new jib wibs, but we put some WD-40 on it. Now it's smooth as a baby's behind. Great. So all of those things, our audience at home can look forward to hearing the results of if and when society exists again. I don't know if society's going to exist again, <laughs> I per know, se. I, uh, yeah, well, that would feel like a rerun at this point. Yeah, we've already <laughs> seen Earth. Now I've time to change society. it. I've even seen it start to collapse. I don't, you know, I'm yeah. good. Yeah. We're we're switching to our new Wally style reality where, <laughs> yeah, where John Goodman's like I'm in a chair. I do wish I'd gotten a girlfriend before we permanently stopped interacting with people. Oh, a lot of people with girlfriends and boyfriends uh, are having a very big struggle here now because they have to be around them twenty four seven. It's yeah, it is true love. Yeah. It is true love. That <laughs> I've been hearing stories from friends of mine at work. Uh, who have been in a relationship for just long enough that this is awkward? <laughs> not not short enough that you can sort of be like, well, we're obviously not going to spend all of our time together. Right. And instead, they're just always together all the time. They're like, we've only been dating for five months. Yes. I don't even like this. I don't know if I like them. Too I soon. Mean, Too this soon. Really, this really provides the perfect segue because that's exactly how it is for Tiger Woods and Joe LaCava. Oh, yeah, too mm. long. Too together long. all the time. They're together all the time now, you yeah. know, because of the quarantine. Yeah. But, uh, we have Joe LaCava on the show today. I guess he's being sued for an event uh, two years ago at a, uh, at a tr- golf tournament where he pushed someone. Yeah. I yeah. mean, obviously, the event must have been two years ago because that was the last time they had sports. Right, right. Uh, or oh, in a long, long ago, before times. Yeah. <laughs> also, the the lawsuit also is 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 suing Tiger Woods because the guy the guy knows where the money is. Yeah. And no, also, it's not with Joe Lacava. Yeah. And it's also also because in this situation, it appears that Tiger was like acted as like uh, the mob boss. He was the oh, one that told man. Joe Lacava, "Hey, move this guy away. Yeah. Hey, make sure that guy ain't in the shot no more. Make sure he sleeps with the fishes tonight." Because the fishes are back behind the wire and out of my backswing. <laughs> and Maybe uh, tomorrow he wakes up in a water trap or something. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we got a wide world of weird sports. You're goddamn right we do. And an all-new sports throughout history. But first, a restarting sports update watch update. Restarting sports update watch update brought to you by your friendly neighborhood tech support department just turn it off and turn it back on (laughs) uh before society can truly start healing from covid19 sports need to start up but before sports can start up society needs to start healing from covid19 i don't know what to do with that this chicken or the egg predicament is universally agreed upon by professionals and network ad sales but (laughs) 
how might sports start back up? Whether this means finishing an already too long season in the case of the NHL or NBA, <laughs> or just commencing an already too long season in the case of the MLB. Well, first there's the issue of crowds, that most of these games, when they restart, will most likely be played without them. Um, yeah. And the Astros, again, basically walk on the most deserved punishment they get for their transgressions, which is constant booing everywhere. Oh, that's sure. right. <laughs> we're, we're really going to have to test the mettle of the American sports fan. Um, and then there's the issue that some states and cities uh, being in better position to host games than others and the constant travel that's part of an athlete's life. Now, this is all speculative, but in uh, the, all three in-season sports leagues, uh, they've been working at coming up with contingency plans that include playing all of their games in a single location. Mm. Flavortown, USA. Ooh, <laughs> they have lucky. permission from the mayor. Um, uh, no, but seriously, each of the three leagues have picked separate locations to possibly stage games. Um, and every league uh, picked a location that was entirely on brand. Now, again, this is speculative, but right now, as it stands now, this, these are the plans they're looking at. The NBA is looking at Las Vegas. Yep. Yep, they do the developmental league there already in the summer. The MLB is looking at Arizona because of the uh, spring training fields and uh, Chase Field, which has fake grass and a retractable dome. Oh, and goes. the NHL is looking at North Dakota. <laughs> huh. Which has more professional-grade ice hockey arenas than people. <laughs> that makes sense. Interesting. Odd well, choice. North Dakota got some bump from the shale boom. Or was that South Dakota? What? I can never remember. It's Well, I, I would say this is, this is literally, it's not a joke. It's literally because they have like the, like one of the least populated states, and they have a bunch of world-class <laughs> hockey facilities. Yeah. North Dakota is a great decision. I don't know why you'd pick Arizona or Las Vegas. There's all sorts of people around. Um, well, let's let's go through these real quick. Well, uh, I, I am a little disappointed to say, though, Jordan, uh, yeah. none of them selected the Thunderdome. Well, yeah. Oh, that would have been fun. Right? Hey, and, I mean, that's what it, this feels like to me. NFL throws. hasn't weighed in. NFL hasn't weighed in. There we go. Uh, so the <coughs> NBA in Las Vegas... Uh, good thing about this one, this solution has the unanimous approval of the two people NBA players always listen to, their side piece and Michael Jordan. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so it's fine. And uh, even in this time of heightened awareness, more than any other city in America, this is another reason why it works, Las Vegas is extremely supportive of traveling. Mm-hmm. Yep. The economic impact on Main Street is, is the negative here. Um, okay, yeah. I'm talking about the local bookies being hit the hardest because analysts believe 75% of NBA refs will just make their bets at sports books now. Oh, oh yeah, that makes no. sense. Yeah. That's... I hate to see that happen to the like to local businesses, you know? Yeah. You know, with all of this coronavirus stuff, there's just another day and another group of people that you hadn't thought about who were just really pummeled by this. Uh, MLB in Arizona. While many people have praised uh, the NBA's proactive stance throughout this whole crisis, it's MLB's Arizona plan that's considered the absolute safest. Mm. Why? All games will be played in the world's largest artificial, materially closed ecological system. There we go. I'm talking Bio-dome. about Biodome. <laughs> there we go. Oh, man. Then they're going to fart and then know, know what they had for dinner, just like the movie. Remember well, that, that in the movie? <laughs> 
<laughs> the movie Biodome, they farted and they guessed what they ate. Right, right, Phil. But with this high is levels real, of accuracy. This is the real Biodome. This is Biosphere. Shore and the Baldwin. <laughs> um. Anyway, no, I'm just kidding because you can't bring sunflower seeds in there. Oh, um, Arizona is uh, perfect for Major League Baseball because it's hot, and Commissioner Rob Manfred seems content to leave the future of the sport in the back seat with the windows rolled up. Um, <laughs> this plan has the approval of the two people that uh, MLB players always listen to. Their golf coach and the guy who keeps trying to get him to buy a couple of Wetzel's pretzels. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why their business advisor is so keen on Arizona. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, one of the drawbacks of this would be, of course, how hard it would be on families. Uh, and, and Arizona, Phoenix specifically, represents a worst case scenario as major leaguers will be constantly guilted by their parents for being a 20 minute drive away and never visiting. <laughs> uh, NHL in North Dakota. This is this is the most fun one. Pros. A couple of games will be played in front of the entire state. <laughs> it would give uh, North Dakota the upper hand for this year's Dakota Cup. Oh, yeah. That's the annual trophy given to the best Dakota. And uh, the true story of a Stanley Cup champion being crowned in a small city in North Dakota is a movie pitch I just sold to Disney yesterday. What? <laughs> hey, congratulations. That's, um, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's kind of ripping off my hockey script, Jordan. But uh... oh, mine's based on uh, available IP that's going to be happening in the real world, so I don't have to pay for it, Joel. Uh, so was mine, except mine was that uh, a small town and, and it, there was a work stoppage, and they decided to award the Stanley Cup even though the NHL was on strike, and it winds up going to a small town in northern Michigan. Pretty you good. Replacement, right? <laughs> Don't you remember, Phil? This You were a big supporter of that one. Uh, Joel, I'm a big supporter of everything you do, sir. <laughs> that's People who listen to this podcast know that that's not true. Yeah, I know. I lied. <laughs> the biggest problem with this plan is that it could spoil North Dakotans' appreciation of college hockey. Oh, yeah. You really wouldn't want to see that. Because there's, there's, it's, it's them and Minnesota, basically. Oh, and, and Massachusetts. Next week, we'll talk about the crumbling facade of the amateur athlete in college sports on Restarting Sports Update Watch Update. Restarting Sports Update Watch Update brought to you by... At your local IT department. But seriously, just turn it off and turn it back on again. And now for another sports throughout history. Bum, 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 bum. Brought to you by... The History Channel. How much you been watching lately? Hey, guys. Welcome to Sports Throughout History. Yeah, hey, yeah, Joel. yeah. We're very excited for another <laughs> installment of Sports Throughout History. Huzzah, yeah. hooray. Uh, and, uh, and so so glad. Is... So glad that COVID has given you this spotlight. I know. Yeah. It's about time <laughs> so it's Joel's time I. to shine. <laughs> this is... So far for me, the whole coronavirus thing is working out great. Yeah. I'm working from home. I'm hanging out in my apartment. I don't have to see other people. I get to do sports throughout history. Well, uh, buy a lotto ticket. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I should. If only stores that sold them were open. <laughs> uh, so uh, this week is part two of the jousting uh, one that we did when we talk about the Eglinton Tournament of 1839, which was a reenactment of a medieval joust 
and Rebel. What? We're not even getting the original one? <laughs> no. Bill, right. 1839. This is bullshit counterfeit jousting. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to listen about to a play. Yes, Jordan, you are correct. This is bullshit counterfeit jousting. This is like sports entertainment. Or is yeah. this, this, this the birth of medieval times? Did you stumble upon their Wikipedia page? Right. Oh, Jordan, this is absolutely the birth of medieval times. In okay, now time. I'm in again. Essentially, <laughs> uh, it's members of uh, British royalty in the mid-19th century who thought it was really lame that they weren't uh, still living in the days of knights. <clears throat> okay. Uh, okay. So it was held between uh, the 28th and the 30th of August, and it was funded and organized by... Archibald, Earl of Eglinton, and took place at Eglinton Castle in Ayrshire. I should probably know how to pronounce that. I'm part Scottish. Uh, the Queen of Beauty was Georgiana, Duchess of Somerset. The Queen of Beauty? The Queen of Beauty. Is that like you're not the Queen, but like the Miss America? Is that kind of like that? No, the Queen at the time was Victoria. Right. Yeah, oh. I think this is, you're 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 like the fanciest lady at the tournament. It's America's Next Top Model. Sure. <laughs> That's, All right. Got oh, it. You, that, that'll be an appropriate model, parallel. Though. Yeah. Oh, Britain's Next Top Model. Oh, okay. Yeah. Less less interesting. The teeth are all worse. Oh, Joel. <laughs> uh, many distinguished visitors took part, including Prince Louis Napoleon, the future Emperor of France. Uh, fun. Yeah. yeah, he was he was elected president and then in 1851 he just took over. Huh. That right? that tended to happen in France. Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> uh he was Napoleon's nephew, I think. Uh yep, yep, that's who did it yeah. before. So the Gothic revival and the rise of romanticism in the uh late 18th and early 19th centuries were an international phenomenon. Medieval-style jousts were regularly held in Sweden between 1777 and 1800. Uh, and uh, the works of Horace Walpole and Sir Walter Scott, who, of course, wrote Ivanhoe, had popularized the idea of passionate romanticism and praise of chivalric ideals. Wait, who are you calling an Ivanhoe? Uh, Sir Walter Scott wrote the... Oh, then he's going to get it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, his wife wrote a book called I Am Ho. Boom! Yikes. <laughs> what has COVID done to us? <laughs> this it is, made us to do a bunch of goofs. This is it. But there's more, <laughs> there's more behind the Eglinton tournament, guys. Uh, in 1838, Whig Prime Minister Lord Melbourne uh, announced the cor uh, that the coronation of Queen Victoria would not include the traditional medieval-style banquet in Westminster Hall. Oh, no. Seeking to disempower the monarchy in particular and the romantic ideology and politics in general was a normal activity for the Whig Party. So in the face of a recession, uh, the more obviously anachronistic parts of the coronation celebration would be considered an extravagance. Those stupid Whigs. <laughs> Whoa, Joel. You know, just because they're in a recession and it's 1839 and working class people are putting in 70 or 80 hours a week and dying of coal dust in their lungs at age 30, they can't have their fancy medieval banquet anymore? What a shame. What a yeah, shame. Really just 
Those stupid wigs. Critics referred to uh, Victoria's slimmed down coronation scornfully as the penny crowning. Ooh, ooh, ooh. that's mean. That yeah, feels catty and mean. Yeah. There's a shot. Uh, however, it was not just the ancient great feast itself, which had been canceled, but other rituals, uh, which traditionally were not paid for by the state, such as the throwing down of the gauntlet by the queen's champion and oh, the I symbolic see. presentation of her two falcons. Totally oh, that got it. That's where throw down the gauntlet, that uh, phrase came from. Yeah. Uh, well, throw down the gauntlet. Yeah. Uh, also, you know, got to have that backup falcon. Sure. Yeah, you don't uh, want to get caught with, with just, yeah, with no falcons. Uh, and do you guys know the name of the, the falcon that Queen Elizabeth received? Uh, given that she was going to be uh, the, the queen when the uh, century turned over? No, Joel, why don't you tell us? Elkier. She, she got the Millennium Falcon. Ah, <laughs> oh, like the Star uh, War. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but here's the thing. Lord Eglinton's own stepfather, Sir Charles Lamb, who was the knight marshal of the royal household, would have led his horse into the Great Hall of Westminster as part of one of these colorful and widely loved rituals. Hmm. So, obviously, Eglinton's a little upset about this, and all of a sudden rumors start to spread that he's going to throw his own tournament to make up for all of the medieval pomp and circumstance that they're going to miss out on. Sure. Oh, so that th so in, because this one was slimmed down, he's like, I'm going to hold another one that's better? Yeah, he's like, okay. oh, so the government's not going to pay for all of our nonsense? Well, guess what? I'm going to pay for all of our nonsense. Yeah! Uh, so <laughs> That'll in, show him. Yeah, in autumn of 1838, uh, and this would be a year before the tournament, keep in mind, mm -hmm. uh, 150 prospective knights met in the showroom of Samuel Pratt, a dealer in medieval armor. Uh, oh, man. Yeah. And, <laughs> and here's the thing. you got to understand that this was the Hail Mary completion of all Hail Mary completions. I mean, if you're a dealer of medieval armor, you know, times have been tough for oh, yeah. a while. <laughs> Gunpowder oh, sure. at this point is like 300 years old. You've been struggling. So... Out of nowhere, 150 people show up looking for armor. This is a good day. This you is know, a really good feel-good feature story for, like, the London Times that day. Yeah, like, small business owner makes good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing, though. Many backed out when they realized the astronomical costs and difficulties. But about 40 were determined to try regardless. The cost being of the armor? Yeah, you would think there'd be some sort of bulk discount situation here. <laughs> right. Given that, again, you know, this is probably the most business this guy has seen since God knows when. Uh, it was supposed to all be real, but the only armor that was kept track of, that of the third Marcus of Waterford, we all know her, uh, was on display in 1963 at Windsor Castle, was a pastiche. It was fake armor. What's oh, the that... difference back in the 1800s between fake armor and real armor, though? Because they didn't have plastic back then, right? No, but I'm sure it was, like, uh, not as good as steel. Maybe, I don't know. Oh, like tin instead of steel yeah. or something? I, it wasn't Hattori Hanso steel. Gotcha. No, definitely not. Uh, a great parade of knights was supposed to open the tournament at noon. This would be a year later. Everybody's got it. Uh, the knights 
had had little practice mounting their horses, a little bit harder when you're on, you know, clothed in armor. It took a long time to get prepared. Then each knight in his entourage, this would be 40 different groups, was supposed to ride to the castle, pick up a lady, officer or knight, and return to the lists. The lists being where they, they joust. Uh, and, you know, pick up a lady, you, you got to try those lines out. You're like, hey, uh, can you see your face in my armor? Because I can see yours from here and it looks great. What? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hey, you want to see what my sword looks like unsheathed? <laughs> oh, God. This sounds like the fire Festival in ten different ways. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, you've got no but idea. That's the most important one, it feels like. Yeah. Uh, like so happened. here's the thing, uh, though, guys. There was only one drive to and from the castle uh, so that the knights had to jostle back and forth past and through each other uh, on their way to pick up the lady and then back. And there'd been no arrangement for parade control, and the nightly gridlock took hours longer to unfold than planned. Uh, by the time the parade was ready, it was half a mile long and over three hours late. Oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, although the day had dawned clear and fine, as the knights and their entourages struggled to organize, the parade uh, sky began to darken. Uh-oh. No. Uh, just at the moment when the parade was finally arranged, just as Lady Somerset, the Queen of Beauté, was heralded by trumpets, there was a flash of lightning, a great crash of thunder, and the black clouds of Ayrshire let loose with a sudden and violent rainstorm. Uh, which, you know, you got to imagine here, all of these people in all of their medieval finery, knights in armor... You're already sitting in, like, what, 50, 60 pounds of metal? Now it's raining on you. Yeah, that's not uh, good. You're going to rust, like the yeah. Tin Man. Get the tarp on the field. Right. Yeah, so Lord Eglinton, after they did have the first day of the tournament, uh, announced that they would try to joust again the next day, or the next, really, weather permitting. You know the old saying, Jordan. You know, when it comes to jousting, sometimes you win... Sometimes you lose. Sometimes it rains. Yeah, exactly. Uh, then he announced that the special guests in the grandstand at the medieval banquet and ball that evening would have to be canceled as the banqueting tents had also succumbed to the weather. Oh, wow. So the, you're oh. right. It's Fry Festival. Fire Festival. Yeah. Really? Really kind of is. Yeah. They also had a very uh, decorative uh, ceiling that they made. That was not at all waterproof. Oh, Jesus. Yikes. <laughs> so the, the weather for the... Uh, yeah, the rains uh, flooded the Lugton water, which ran around the lists on three sides, so no carriages could cross it, and the entire audience, apart from Eglinton's personal guests, were stranded without transportation. Uh, they had to walk miles through the rain and mud to nearby villages, where only the first people found any food, drink, accommodation, or transport. This wow. is not well put together at all. Yeah, yeah, totally fire festival. It's like that scene in the fire festival documentary with the guy with the water. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, to be fair, though, <laughs> they did get 40 people with full armor and knight's regalia to Scotland. So I'd have to say they did better than the fire festival. The fire festival got hundreds of influencers. <laughs> See, that's... Yeah. Uh, the weather for the final day of the tournament was much better, and the crowds gathered to watch, albeit fewer in fancy dress. 
the jousting was won by James Fairley on points. Uh, although Eglinton was nominated the symbolic victor, uh, Edward Jerningham suffered an injury and required medical attention. Stupid Jerningham's. Uh, and a melee was held during which Henry Waterford and John Alford had to be separated by the marshal. Yikes. Yeah. Was there wow. bad blood there that we didn't know about? I think so. You know, Waterfords and Alfords have been going at each other since who knows when. Uh, and so to wrap it up, would you guys like a quick uh, recounting of some of the knights who participated in the tournament? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. John Viscount Alford. And a little 20... quieter. <laughs> yeah. John don't don't is... blow our eardrums out here, bud. Excuse me, but you know I am announcing them, so I've got to give it the appropriate pomp and circumstance. All right. John Viscount Alford, aged twenty-seven, Knight of the Black Lion. Captain Beresford, Knight of the Stag's Head. Ooh. Archibald, Earl of Cassilis, Knight of the Dolphin. This sounds like a great SNL cast. If right? It was a Don Pardo voice. I feel like the Knight of the Dolphin was late the day they were picking out names. Yeah. yeah. What's left? <laughs> Aww. Oh. oh, damn it. Uh, William, Earl of Craven, Knight of the Griffin. James O. Fairley. And that's O as in the single initial of his middle name. I'm sure he wouldn't want people to think he was Irish. <laughs> sure. Knight of the Golden Lion. Uh, the Honorable H.E.H. Gage. Knight of the Ram. Wait a second, wait a second. There was a black lion and there was a golden lion and this guy just picked dolphin? Yeah. It just feels like he could have gone and just picked a color and picked a, done like the red lion. At you know? least, yeah, true. And at least could have specified... Knight of the Bottlenose Dolphin, you know? I don't. I think that's going further in the other direction, Joel. <laughs> well, I gotta say, I think this honorable H.E.H. Gage picked the best one for a jousting tournament. You want to be the Knight of the Ram. Oh, yeah. Uh, so just a couple others here. You have Sir Francis Hopkins Bart. Bart is, what does Bart stand for? I don't even know. It's, it's Bart period, so that's some sort of title. <laughs> Uh, but he was the Knight of the Burning Tower. Uh, oh, God. Which, yeah, he didn't start that way, but he realized halfway through the tournament that he had left the oven on back oh, home. Yeah. So they had to change it. That's uh, tough. So the Honorable uh, Edward Jerningham, who you have to remember uh, was injured and required medical attention, he was the Knight of the Swan. See, that's nice. He's a romantic type. Yeah. You had Charles Lamb, the Knight of the White Rose, and Richard Lechemere, the Knight of the Red Rose. So, clearly the War of the Roses is still going there. And finally, Henry, Marcus of Waterford, was the Knight of the Dragon. Nice. Right? He had first picks. <laughs> yeah. I call Dragon! Aww. <laughs> Springs to a close another Sports Throughout History! Brought to you by... The History Channel. We're a little more factual than this is. Joining us now on the podcast is Tiger Woods' caddy, Joey LaCava. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here. Hey, thanks for coming back on the podcast, Joe. Oh, of course. It's so much easier when all you have to do is call. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, Don't we're, have we're to about... trek all the way to the studio, studio, studio. 
I, I do notice that you you walked to outside the studio, studio, studio with a bag of golf clubs, and you're you're standing outside right now. Oh, uh, it's a caddy's way. Yeah, I can I see just this. Brought my phone camp. over to the studio, studio, studio. Set down the clubs and said, "Hi, looks like the microphone I'll need for this one is a t- Audio Technica AT2020." Oh, that's just yeah. knowledgeable. That's great knowledge, Joe. Yeah, yeah. that's a caddy's way. Yes. As you might have seen, I've gotten in a bit of trouble recently. <laughs> the 2018 uh, Valspar Championship in Central Florida, Tiger apparently w- wanted uh, someone out of his way. They were trying to take a selfie with him. Oh, yes. And, and you pushed him. Is that true? Oh, I remember it well. Well, as you know, I'm a firm believer of the caddy code. <laughs> right, and right. as part of the caddy code, you can always push back against your golfer. But... You can't push back three times. <laughs> On the third time, your golfer tells you to do something. You have to go ahead and do it. Right, yeah. right. So let me tell you the story. Someone was trying to take a selfie. Him with Tiger. Tiger's a very famous man, you know. Big oh, golfer. Yeah, yeah a lot of people love to selfie with Tiger. Yeah. Tiger was getting ready to line up a shot, and this guy sort of hops in behind him and tries to snap the perfect selfie. He was trying to line up a shot. And, of course, this person tried to snap the perfect selfie. So, of course, Tiger turned to me and said, Hey, Joe, why don't you rough him up a little bit, you know? <laughs> why don't you make him bleed a little bit to make him hurt? Make him rule the day that he tried to take a selfie. Well, wow. the great Tiger Woods is trying to line up a shot. I mean, and I've course, heard that he's especially competitive, but, oh, especially I mean, that's vicious. Yes, yes, yes. And, of course, me being a good caddy and looking out not just for his golf game, but his career said, I don't think that's a great idea, Tiger. (laughs) If I rough him up, it might really distract from the game. Not to mention we live in a society of rules. And if I rough him up, could not only go to jail for battery, but I could also get sued. Sure, it's 2018, and everybody's feeling really good about the world right now. But maybe sometime in the future, there'll be an economic downturn and suddenly lawsuits will become en vogue again. <laughs> so please, oh, well, especially prescient of you. That's what it, it's a caddy's way. We're supposed to be a bit prescient. <laughs> so I said, Tiger, please don't make me rough him up. I don't want to do it. And then Tiger said, you know what, Joe? I think you really should rough him up. And I said, Tiger, that's the second time. You know, if you tell me a third time, I've got to do it. So please, use some sense here, Tiger. I love you like a brother. And even if that love isn't reciprocated, please don't make me go to prison. Because you don't feel like having a selfie taken while you're doing your back swing, please, Tiger. Tiger said, no, I think you should do it. And I said, all right, you asked me three times. Over and I rubbed the guy up. Boy, that... Uh... So it, it even extends to physical violence against other people. It extends to literally everything. If you break the caddy code, you're no longer in the caddy union. If you're no longer in the caddy union, that's sure starvation. So, I mean, what other par- professions do you have where you can carry things around and give advice? And that's what you do. I'm trained in a very specific thing. I don't know, maybe being like a, 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 a body man to the president? But they'll oh. never let a Scottish person do that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess. Um, 
what I what I'm more interested in is does your caddy code have anything about spectators at tournaments? Oh, the caddy code has many things about spectators at tournaments. As you know, as I've covered before, the caddy code is very long. I oftentimes really harp on that one thing because of me and Tiger's <laughs> dynamic. <laughs> but but yeah, the code it, has many, many pages with many, many rules. It's interesting because we've only ever heard about the one. <laughs> I, well, you know, there are rules about spectators, and it's a caddy's job to make sure that the spectators are well-behaved. And make sure, but only within reason, right? You don't want to go to prison because if you go to prison, as per the caddy code, who's there to look out for your golfer? Mm, right, right. You've always got to do what's best for the golfer. And going to prison is not what's best for the golfer. Uh, so, uh, are you worried at all about what's going to happen next? Have you discussed legal strategy with your co-defendant, Tiger Woods? Oh, this is the real trouble with that, is that me and Tiger went and saw a lawyer together. And of... Well, Oh, this is the tough part. You know what? We're in the circle of trust here, so I can tell you secrets, right? Of course. All right, here we go then. Me and Tiger were sitting the lawyer, and the lawyer was like, well, here's what you're going to do. You've got to go in, and you've got to tell the truth and make sure that uh, that uh, we get it all out there, and if we have to settle before we go to trial, it'll probably be better for everybody. And Tiger, of course, turned to me and said, oh, we've got to get this guy killed. <laughs> <laughs> what? I said, I said, Tiger... That was a first request, but please, for the love of God, use your common sense on this one. It's just, it's, 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 it was a light pushing. I can't imagine this is going to be something that'll affect your or my life very much. Sure, I don't have as much money as the great Tiger Woods. In fact, I mostly still work on tips, and caddies don't get tipped very well. But you please. Don't get tipped well by Tiger Woods? No, no caddies get tipped well. It's in the t- caddy code. But I said, please, Tiger, don't don't make me have this guy killed. If I get caught, we'll be in a lot of trouble, and we don't want that. And then I might lose you as a golfer forever, and I won't be your caddy. And Tiger said, I think we should. You know, it's a, probably the fastest <laughs> way to A to B. And I said, Tiger, that's twice. Please don't say it a third time. I don't even know about how to get a hitman hired. I'm a caddy. I'm not some part of this underground cabal that could get somebody killed, please. I'm not every character from Tiger King. <laughs> please, Tiger. Don't okay. make me do this. And presumably that was the end of it, right? No, Tiger said, I think you should do it. And I said, all right, let me make some calls. <laughs> so oh. now I'm on a path, a path from which I can't return. Mm. Well, Joe, uh, it's been great having you on today. Yeah, it's um, troubling in my life, but I think I'll get through. I'm a smart guy. I, I really hope so. For... And if not, we'd love to have you on again to hear what happens next. If I'm calling you from prison, let it be known. I tried my best, and my best wasn't good enough. And now it's time for another wide world of weird sports. Oh, it's wide world sports time. Wide world of weird sports. What do we got this week? This week's wide world of weird sports, Antonio Alfonseca. Hmm, I don't know that name. Well, now you will. Yeah. Antonio Alfonseca, uh, he was born April 16th, 1972, is a Dominican former relief pitcher. Oh, wow. Right in the yeah. wheelhouse there, Jordan. <laughs> oh, I, I, I don't know how I missed this one. Yeah. yeah. 
He last pitched in Major League Baseball for the Philadelphia Phillies in 2007. Uh, Right? Yeah. Uh, Alphonse also played for the Florida Marlins, the Chicago Cubs, the Atlanta Braves, and the Texas Rangers. He's all over the place. Bit of a journey, man, it sounds like. I've been everywhere, man. Antonio Alphonse, man. Uh, He is also known for having an extra digit on each hand and foot. What? Whoa. Right? How have I not heard of this person? Yeah. Six toes on each foot six fingers on each hand it's especially impressive that it's both hands and both feet i must say yeah yeah how does he buy gloves i i don't know uh so alfonseca was originally signed by the montreal expos as a non-drafted free agent on july 1989 on december 13th 1993 he was taken by the florida marlins from the montreal expos in 93 expansion draft I don't think we really need to go through all of this stuff, right? I mean, <laughs> no, the important so. thing is the weird stuff, right? Yeah. So, uh, let's see. Uh, at the end of the 2001 season, Alfonseca had surgery to repair a herniated disc. Subsequently, the Marlins asked Alfonseca to lose 15 pounds to help relieve stress on his back. He's mm. a big guy. Big fella. At a weigh-in during the 2002 spring training, Alfonseca had a confrontation with Dale Torborg, the son of manager Jeff Torborg, and a former professional wrestler. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah it, it sounds like if you were going into that conference, you could be like, hey, Alfonso, if there's one thing you don't want to do in the next 30 minutes, yeah. it's pick a fight with the professional wrestler's son of the manager. Yeah, exactly. Well, the Marlins denied any connection shortly afterwards on March 27, 2002, he was traded. So <laughs> then on September 2nd, 2003, while with the club with the Cubs, Alfonseca was thrown out of a game for bumping an umpire with his stomach. Oh, can't yeah. do that. Yeah, you can't touch the ups. Com- yeah. You can get in their face, but you can't make contact. So after he left the Phillies in 2007, uh, he left for the Lancaster Barnstormers and Bridgeport Bluefish for the Atlantic League from 2009 to 2011. So he stuck in there. Played a little independent baseball for a little bit there. Love of the game, you know. So personal life, his nicknames. Can you guess what some of these might be? Six finger. That's one of them. Uh, Six shooter. (laughs) Another one is... El Pulpo, which means the octopus, which is... Oh, I like cool. that one. Yeah. Uh, what about Double Mordecai Brown? Uh, nope, that's not that's not one of them. Because Mordecai, it was Mordecai Three Fingers Brown. Oh, I see. With only one hand, not every damn limb. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, the last nickname, which we could all guess, because he's got six fingers on each hand and six uh, toes on each foot, the Dragon Slayer. <laughs> of course yeah uh, that old the, chestnut so i having, thought 24 would be in there ah 24 is the highest number it is uh so having six fingers and six hands on each toes is a condition known as being polydactylal polydactylal polydactyly that sounds right and his grandfather also had this trait so it's genetic what? Yep. Alfonseca regards it with pride as kind of a family emblem. 
Now I'm imagining they were, were they ever burglars? Because <laughs> then, then I imagine the cops being like, "Well, we found two sets of prints. The second burglar used only one finger." <laughs> and that brings them to another wide world of weird sports. Oh, Joel doesn't realize that the cops would easily be able to figure out that it was someone with six fingers, which means they would be caught very quickly. <laughs> podcast town this brings to a close another sports 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 podcast but before we go we're gonna have joe lacava give you our contact information yes i'm back i haven't gone anywhere all right you can find us on twitter by going to twitter.com slash sports the number three podcast that's twitter.com slash sports the number three podcast while you're there you can give a request to the podcast but if they want to be caddy someday you can only give it to them twice or they have to do it or you can find him on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash parts and number three podcast. That's facebook.com slash parts and number three podcast. And what I've learned is that you can't find hitmen on Facebook. Don't exist. <laughs> or you can go to anchor.fm slash parts number three podcast for all the back episodes. That's anchor.fm slash parts the number three podcast. Hey, while you're there, you can also see the links to find them on Google Play and the iTunes Star. Also on Stitcher. Also on. Uh, on Spotify, they're everywhere. The podcast is everywhere. Go like Farum. Thank you, Joe. You're welcome. Hey guys, Joel. Yep. Uh, would it be possible for me to borrow some money for a suit of armor? Bye, Bye Joel. Joel.